Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeerdelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only anti-safety podcast. I am Joel Gasson with fill-in John this week, the CBC's Dan Plaster, as uh, John apparently had a family wedding on the weekend, and he admitted to me that beforehand he was very upfront and honest about it that he probably was not going to see much football this weekend so he was like i could probably do the show but i would be you know far less educated than i would normally be would not. so nothing different not a whole lot different no quite <laughs> frankly but he usually he's at least watched the games which is okay. kind of you know sort of the bare minimum that we try to achieve around here is that like, okay did you at least watch the game and you can make something up cool Jeez. I love the anti-safety. It sounds like some bad grade three cartoon that you watch in school. <laughs> yeah. Or we're really against like occupational health and safety, but we're actually just yeah. talking about like the safety in football. <laughs> We've gone three hours without an accident at work. <laughs> Uh-oh. Put the clock back to zero. Zero. <laughs> uh, so, Dan, I guess the the real question is... Yes. Have you come down from the weekend in college football yet? Man, it just to let the folks know, Joel and I talked the whole game. Well, I mean, even during the Ryder game when we're both <laughs> working, the only thing we're talking about is college football while we're both supposed to be working. Fun fact, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we had the, the tasty, delicious, beautiful, full buffet brunch of, of – of Arkansas and Ole Miss and Oklahoma and Texas, and both were just perfect games, perfect, perfect, perfect games. And then, like like you said, we, we got home in time to watch the upset of the year and an upset that probably won't mean anything in the because Alabama probably still get in the playoffs. But such is life. But we got a little bit of a tasty treat. Hey, you, when, whenever Bama loses, you got to celebrate it. That's just. That's just fact, and even if we, even if you know it means nothing, the fact that they lost is still always incredible. Oh, and and the op eds are like you hear the podcast is Alabama done, and I'm like, guys, <laughs> come on, guys, keepers, it's just like they've won four national titles when they've lost a game. Let's all just relax for a second here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and 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 just to let folks know, it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and other. Like, let's not just kid ourselves. 
we're getting some fun right now and it's just going to be chalk in the end sadly Mm -hmm. it is yeah and that's why uh, it's important in the world of college football to pay attention to not the chalk and that would of Mm -hmm. course be like the Ole Miss Arkansas game where if you talk to fans of those teams or you asked us probably even in 2019 that those two teams would produce one of the best games of the year in 2021 uh, we'd probably laugh you off stage. (laughs) (laughs) At least the best game in 2021 that in the way that it was, like I don't think anyone would have expected 52 51 from those teams a few years ago. Well, especially with a a womp in Sam Pittman, you (laughs) never expect that from, from Arkansas. No. And uh, I mean, and Chad Morris was a complete disaster and Ole Miss before Lane Kiffin was weird, weirder in a different way, I guess. (laughs) It's a a mature Lane Kiffin, future USC head coach. I'm yes. That's not <laughs> now everybody's left because they're expecting CFL talk. Sorry. Yes. Just well. Yeah. I mean, we had we had to bring it up a little bit. It was we it itching. was it was just a ridiculous weekend in college football, and uh, I do know that I have we have slowly been converting some people to uh, join us on the bandwagon of the chaos that is college football. So and one at a time, we will get to, there. And to support Canada's team. The Oregon State Beavers. Unfortunately, they did lose this week, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. It's because it they haven't been on TSN this year. It's true. And, folks, you should cheer for them just because Mike Riley was there. If you want any CFL te- teases <laughs> with that, he helped build that program into the mediocrity it is today. See, the joke that they are Canada's team is because for some reason it felt last year, every time there was a Pac-12 game on TSN late on Saturday night, it was the Oregon State Oregon State Ducks, uh, Oregon State Beavers for some reason. Yeah. So they just is. became Canada's team, and then this year they've just been on Fox the whole time, apparently. So, which is sad. But yes, support Canada's team, the Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're the Beavers. Come on. Yeah, and they're it's like a national I mean, animal, isn't it? <laughs> same colors as the BC Lions. Come on, let's go with it. Uh, one thing we did not see on Saturday, like at all, was. Uh, conceding of safeties we don't see that no. really on sunday much either well we saw it on saturday but not in college football um, and this is something that's kind of starting to nod me a little bit kind of like a beaver on some wood and that's that it feels a more automatic than ever that cfl teams are going to concede the safety when they're pinned deep in their own end and i get the, you know the longer field blah 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 etc cetera, etc cetera. I get understand why sometimes there are strategic reasons to do it, but it's still boring as heck, and I wish it didn't happen as often as it does. P- case in point, most recently, the most blatant example we saw was, of course, from the worst, currently the worst team in the CFL, which is saying something given the case of the Ottawa Red, Ottawa Red Blacks, the Edmonton Elks, who conceded three safeties against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So you gifted six points to the best team in the CFL. Six points that were actually fairly significant to that game until Andrew Harris scored a couple of touchdowns late. And then those, I mean, and then the field position was still great for a high octane Winnipeg offense. So it's sometimes it's not even just two; it's mm-hmm. five or nine. Or and it oh, kind of just... side point on that. I, I, my the the argument I'm starting to build now. If you if you receive, so if you get two points from the other team conceding a safety. And then you score a touchdown, you should always go for two because they've basically already given you the two-point convert. You might as well go for two again and make it like a 10-point play. 
Now you're you're already you're already getting to the end. You have to start from the beginning. <laughs> it, I tend to do that. <laughs> it's but the thing that drove me nuts. I think it was on the third safety when Ant when um was it Cornelius as the quarterback, and he he was the starter, wasn't he for Edmonton? No, Harris was, started was, the game, but Trevor, he didn't. It was Trevor. Yeah, Cornelius is this week. Whole other we'll let other three down nation podcasts talk about that one. That's yeah. Fair. We'll let smarter people go into that one. Yeah, <laughs> but um, Harris by the skin of his teeth escapes the end zone to not to not give up the safety and then the next play they give up the safety the riders did that this year too cody fajardo barely got out of the end zone and then they conceded the safety on the very next play but it's just so stupid <sighs> it is like that this is why it's so, so like the way he spun and even when cody tried to get out the way they spun like that it could be a dangerous play and then the next play the punter just takes a knee and doesn't like I just it's well good thing you conserved that safety on that play to just oh. give it up anyway just for the sake of the hit your quarterback took you should punt it just for the you know for the sacrifice he made basically I know and I and and you'll hear some BS comments oh the defensive safety it's more momentum or more of this it's come on get it's, it's I I just there are some weird, quirky things that people love about the CFL, and this is one of those ones that have gotten way out of hand. And I don't even re- like. I know the rules have changed a little bit to make it a little bit worse to give up the safety. I think it was like a put the kickoff at the twenty or something like that, or the twenty-five, and it hasn't changed a thing. And this whole safety thing began what fifteen years ago. I don't even know who was the first one to do it. I would blame I Craig know. Dickinson because he's the special teams guy that would just figure out something wild and wacky to, to to get things going. But it's just, yeah, it has to change somehow. So how do you think we go about changing it? So my sort of thought process is there needs to be greater punishment because clearly the field position change, as minimal as it can be sometimes, you often see returns back to um, the oppositions, at least the oppositions 40, sometimes midfield. So basically, you're one first down away probably from where you were, generally speaking, most of the time after these kicks. So a general thought process is, and to steal an idea from, uh, you know, rest in peace, the Banner Society, from the bad idea time from Ryan Nanny would be, now his original argument that all safety should be 11 points. (laughs) I mean, because, I mean, they're hard to, it's really hard to achieve, etc. I understand the reasoning behind it. I think conceding a safety should be more punished should be like you should be punished greater for conceding a safety than if you were just tackled in the end zone so i would say at least if you concede a safety it's five points for the for the other team so then let's extrapolate where do you want the ball so you want points to be the punishment instead of field position to be the punishment because i i think i think the trade-off for the field you know the 10 20 yards that you gain Right now, obviously, right now, coaches think that two points is worth it. See, and then I would make the punishment the opposite. If you give up the safety, the other team gets it at your own 50. Okay. Like, if you're going to do that, we're going to put you in field goal range. Or, like, ridiculous Justin Tucker field goal range. But um, <laughs> no, that's sixty-six yards, and then all <laughs> kickers are apparently broken after that kick. <laughs> yeah, like, and nobody could hit. I know what was it? Twelve missed extra points yesterday in the NFL or uh, this weekend in the NFL. Yeah, and then there was that Cincinnati Green Bay game where there was five straight missed between both teams at the end of regulation and overtime. Oh man, and Boris Beatty's field goal—I don't know if that was over. They called it over. Yeah. That was 
oh, hashtag kickers. Oh my god. Um, but so make it so. Yeah, defensive safety will still be worth two points because mm-hmm. you're fighting. So yes, we'll stay with that. So if yeah. you give up a defensive safety, we'll stick to the current rules where the ball goes, where the ball is kicked. I like the five points. Let's do it. Let's let's meet in the middle. So you give up the five points, and then the team gets the ball at midfield. No kicking. No kicking. Yeah. Or I guess. Or I guess you could ball at midfield, or you could kick. But it's the team who was receiving the option, like off the field goal, basically. Yeah. So you basically think, okay, they can kick from their let's say their fifteen, or you could just get it at the ball at midfield. Well, if you're if you're Bobby Dice, you want that kick because just, <laughs> just because that happened in the in the Montreal Ottawa game, it, we we were taught, we were chatting about it, and it, they gave up the safety, and all of a sudden, Evans has the ball at the fifty two yard line, and they mm-hmm. of course only ended up with a safety, with a with a field goal out of it because they couldn't move the ball, but it. Yeah, it is something that really has to change, and it really takes the wind out of any entered. It's a purely entertainment thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and... like strategically, I get why coaches are going to do it and continue yeah. to do it. Yeah. Sort of. I, I, I still think sometimes the, point are, the points aren't worth it, but at the end of the day, the CFL is supposed to be an entertainment product, and a guy taking a knee in the end zone is not exciting. And if you could destroy a punt like Cody Grace, like just... That guy's a game changer. He, that, won't be up he, long. he is the punter that everyone thinks not everyone many people think John Ryan is John That's Ryan it. was was yeah and, and but he, like because the the hang time on those the spiral and even now his accuracy because apparently he came into camp and he wasn't that accurate and he's been working on it and he certainly looked accurate on Saturday night <laughs> oh man and like that's a weapon and he can kick them out of any situation so yeah it's <sighs> And I think a team like Saskatchewan, because John Ryan still has an incredibly strong leg, and I there are some teams it won't affect mm-hmm. as much if we we change it to the ridiculous our ridiculous rules, which it should be written in stone because they're great. And um, like so, then there's this more your punter has to be that much better, and your coverage teams have to be that much better. And I and I know you and I laugh at football karma. And just punting the ball sometimes, football karma, if you punt out of the end zone, football karma says, you know what, we're going to give you a little break because mm-hmm. you did not mess with the football gods on this one. But I know football karma is stupid, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, just just trust your defense. That's, yep. that's what it comes down to. Trust your, trust that your defense will get the two and out in that spot, and then you'll get the ball back. You know, Maybe you won't be as in good a field position as you would have liked when you get the ball back after a punt, but hey, at least you didn't give up two points for nothing and potentially turn it into a five to ten point swing. But wasn't three safeties just a perfect microcosm of the Elk season? Yeah. We're just yeah, going to give was. up. Yeah, here's, 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 here's the equivalent of a touchdown because we can't move the football. <laughs> we just give up. Our, our quarterback tried hard to get out of the end zone, almost got hurt, and we're just going to kind of give up because we don't care. It's just, uh Yeah. The Ryder season is uh, starting to feel not quite as good as it once did. Not quite Elks bad, but uh, another loss to the Calgary Stampeders. We're going to get into all of that and what it means and sort of the predicament the team has put themselves in and kind of how they've got there and where they should go from there in a little bit. Uh, Before we get to all of that, though, uh, 
John's not here this week, as you noticed, so that means <clears throat> I have to stumble my way through the Manscaped read, as I do not have a, a good transition out of that one. But anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> and the first line in this has never been truer than it is today, at least in Regina, and I assume most of Saskatchewan. Autumn is in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for cuffing season, a cuffing season like no other. Ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIGHTED20. Of course, as always, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIGHTED20 at manscaped.com. 20% off with the free shipping and the manscaped20.fansighted20manscaped.com. Your balls. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And it comes in pumpkin spice. <laughs> Why not? Everything else does, right? What? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe they have like pumpkin spice. So they have like the ball deodorant driver, right? Maybe they have pumpkin spice oh, versions yeah. of that. <laughs> the moisturizer. So your pumpkin smell like pumpkins. <laughs> or as I uh, dropped on John last week and nearly died, I said so like groin gourds. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's great. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it, huh. Well, you guys do I like I just I I don't know what I love better. Is it John's purposeful read or your increasingly uncomfortable <laughs> going through that? <laughs> the entertainment factors on both sides of this is incredible. I think I like your uncomfortable read. It's great. That's fair. I mean, they're both entertaining for their own reasons, I guess. Yep. Uh, the Ryder game was not entertaining. and uh, No. Ooh, thank God it went quick. Yeah, the the one positive was it went over quickly. And uh, the poor games have kind of been a theme across the CFL that uh, is something that may or may not be coming soon to 3donation.com. Um, but yeah, they lost again to the Calgary Stampeders. A game, coming into the game, I was fairly confident that I thought the Riders were still the better team. Um, they might still be but they've kind of made a mess for themselves and they're kind of, they've brought the pack back to them. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I think most of us are fairly confident that it looked like they were on track to finish second in the West pretty easily. And now the door is not only open for the BC lions, but the Calgary Stampeders as well, who've got themselves back to the playoff chase, not only just to get in, but to potentially host the West semifinal at McMahon stadium. Remember how good the season began mm-hmm. and the Riders are putting 30 points on the board and they start off 3-0 and and what have they lost? Four of their last six? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and, and the positive side, it's just Winnipeg and Calgary, but on the negative side, it's just Winnipeg and Calgary, the two teams that they're fighting with to to get that home that crucial home playoff date, especially mm-hmm. in the economy and the, the way the CFL economy is working right now. But it it hit a brick wall and I don't think a bye week has ever come at such a great time <laughs> for a team that so desperately needs to just take a deep breath, reset, and a whole lot of self scouting right now. I it, it's not the other teams right now. No. It's it's in that locker room and it's it, like we're, we're 
I, I think I think Craig Dickinson put it well after the game, and I don't really I don't really know if he intended to say it like this, but he basically did. Um, you know, he asked kind of you know where they're at and what happened, and he's like, he's felt the rest of the league has kind of gotten better, but they're the same team they were at the start of the year, and I th- I think that's kind of a good way to look at it because I think they've kind of played at the same level throughout, but their competition has gotten better, and so the results have changed quite drastically. Yeah, it it, it it just seemed like they hit the right gear out of training camp. The the brand new offensive line centered around all-star center Dan Clark seemed to not give them too much trouble. Well, they, then, they were okay. I never thought they were like spectacular, but I think... they had to be was okay. Yeah, and but I think as a, as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm very aware of how this happens. They, you know, they came out really strong with the quick passing game, but defenses pick up on that pretty quick. And eventually, you need to prove that you can do something else other than throw the ball three yards. And the Riders haven't been able to do that. At all. No. Those those big blasts. And, and I know they're trying with Ricardo <clears throat> Lewis and Schaefer Baker and all those guys, but they're just not that dynamic. And I don't think Pajagalos, Cody has had that time to even no. step up and everything has been either a Kyron Moore in the flat. It just seemed like night, late 1990s, early 2000s, Kent and Keith, every play in that weird, just try to get him into space and make a play. But I, it, it just, it just like when you try to thread a screw and it looks tight but you, it's just misthreaded. It, this is kind of what it feels like right now. It's not wrong, but it's not right. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of feels a little bit off. And because of that, that defense, when the rider offense is only running 41 plays, Ugh. I mean, that is haunting. And it's and this is a really good rider defense, folks. This is a really, really good rider defense. Garrett Marino gets back, and you have Micah Johnson and him in the middle. And you have the linebacking core has really stepped up. Micah Tights has been really, really good as a starter. Mm-hmm. As a Canadian starter on defense, the defensive backs are always going to be good. And Though, it'd be, is... though it'd, it would also help to get Mike Edom back because I think some of the some of the DBs down the depth charts filling in right now aren't quite at the same level as the other guys. No, you're, you are correct. And just to have that extra Canadian body is... is is that much better? So, okay, we're going to get, I'm going to change it up here. Mm-hmm. Do you try, I guess it's so hard right now. And I guess the riders on the good side of things went with a lot of Canadians, mm-hmm. but on the bad side of things, because you have a lot of Canadians, you might be able to fill in with a high quality American later in the season, but that's impossible this year with mm-hmm. two weeks in quarantine and trying to get a, even get a player back over the border. So this is, other than Duke Williams and the return, but if that's in your plans to talk about, we can get to that later. But this is the team they have to ride or die with right now. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's fair. And it probably would have been to a degree regardless. I think sort of the number, like there's a number of issues on this team, especially on offense that can be addressed. But I think most importantly, the issue is the offensive line. And we saw it against Calgary when they just, because they knew that there was nothing really that they could do beyond throw a few yards. So the, that, that pretty good strong front read by Mike Rose was just through the revolving door at the snap. 
And so we can talk, you know, Cody's had some accuracy issues. Jason Moss's play calling is a little inspiring at times. The receivers maybe aren't that dynamic overall. But ultimately, none of that really matters if, you know, the offensive line works properly. And it hasn't been. And even if it was a normal COVID year, it's not. It's also not really a spot where, unless Brendan Labatt is coming back, which I increasingly feels like that's not going to happen this year. We all kind of thought maybe he would if the restrictions changed around the league. Um but on the offensive line, even, it's hard to helicopter a guy in and changes your the entire dynamic of your team like it does like a running back or a receiver or something like that if that's what you're missing instead because it's, it's you know, it's such a, you know, it's a unit that has to work together and the cohesiveness and the whole thing, and especially if they're American, there's getting to the use of the, the Canadian game and the whole thing. It's such a hard position to change for the better in the middle of a season, I think, anyway. You are right. That is a very, that is a five-man group that works as one. And when they don't work as one, as we saw on Saturday night, it could get messy. Um, from my perch, I wasn't. Now that you brought it up, I wasn't mm-hmm. really totally paying attention. Was there a lot of plus one blitzes, plus two, or is it just straight four-man front getting to Cody? <sighs> yeah, I don't really remember. I wasn't watching super was, close. I don't think there was. There wasn't a lot of exotic stuff. I don't think. No. Okay, so pretty base. Yeah. twists stunts that sort of thing and it's it, it, it there are i mean four new faces mm-hmm. and i mean most of them are young except for boyko i don't think he's very young anymore <laughs> <laughs> and definitely not and, football young anymore after a few years in the nfl and the whole thing so no and um it just seemed like yeah it, it, they knew this was going to be a problem spot, but I mm-hmm. didn't think it was going to be this much of a problem spot for them. But then again, it's like I'd like to say it's an easier road for the rest of the year. But then as I look at it, other than back-to-back games against Edmonton, which you could almost talk at least one or two wins with that, it's Calgary, Montreal, and Hamilton all on the road. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough. And I mean, you know, this team, this franchise has a history sometimes of shit in the bed against bad teams too. So I wouldn't even rule out anything against the Edmonton Elks at this point as dysfunctional and as screwed up as they are. Um, But yeah, the other ones like Hamilton's up and down. They're beatable, but I mean, they could probably win that game. That trip to Montreal for some reason is always tough for this team, for a lot of Western teams. And I mean, luckily for the West now, yet there's no Atlantic team because then that trip would be even tougher with the time change. But yeah, now no Vernon Adams for that no. game. Either. No, but I mean, I mean, granted it was one drive, but uh, Matthew Schultz, Schultz seemed to show a little bit more maybe that Vernon didn't have in terms of like throwing accuracy. So yeah, very capable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. it they the Riders to lose those two home games against Winnipeg and Calgary mm-hmm. really, really hurt them considering how backloaded the the road schedule was for the rest of the year Mm -hmm. and we'll see how this team travels and they're gonna have to travel well or they won't travel at all come december or late november (laughs) and but like to say a crucial game in hamilton on november 20th that's not a playoff game is Mm -hmm. so wild that's just wild to me still but you're right the riders have some issues to deal with and I've never seen a more crucial bye week than this one in a long long time 
Yeah, and the players were asked a lot about that after the game, and they all seemed to agree. And I, th- I think Craig Dickinson continued to make the point too that this is, you know, they he seems to make a deal out of them. He gives them like the five days off of football. I'm like, well, that's that's kind of what the rules state. You can't really do any practices or official work or anything during that time. So you can't really control what the players do, but you tell them. But like, it sounds like they actually tell them to go and like not think about football for a few days, which. I think for this team at this time right now is probably a very good thing. I think sometimes you need that clean break and then you can come back kind of, you know, emotion free from what had been happening here and try and just rein it back in a little bit because they're not far off. Like this isn't, this isn't the sky is falling. They're going to suddenly finish last in the West and miss the playoffs by a whole bunch. But you know, this is, they're kind of at the fork in the road right now and where the season is going to go and the next week or two may decide which direction they're taking in that. And they win three and five, and they if they win three of five, they have eight wins, and that might be enough for that home playoff game. That's how greasy this division is, and that's I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But <laughs> you win, and that's how that's the simple formula, and I think that might be the formula that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. But BC's playing better. Calgary, for some reason, figured out that they're Calgary again, and. Yeah, it it this is going to be fun, and we'll see if oh go back to the offense the mm-hmm. the, the Jason Moss offense is this just because is it because there wasn't much of a preseason to install something brand new that it's been sputtering or am I just trying to find excuses? I mean, I'm sure it didn't help, and. I mean, it's kind of been an issue, you know, for the offense across the league, except maybe Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. They've had a pretty good offense. I mean, Montreal's offense is fun for how boom and bust they are, but I wouldn't consider them, you know, great, maybe offensively, but they're fun at least. Everyone else is kind of, yeah. And I guess there's been, there's been you know, a decent amount of changeover and sort of offensive schemes. So that's a, maybe that's a part of it. I, it certainly doesn't help, I'm sure, to not have, you know, actual games to try some things out. But I mean especially that first preseason game, you're playing so many different guys that aren't even going to be on the roster at that point that yeah, really you point. get, really you get, you know, in the CFL, you get like maybe one half with your starting offense in through the two games. So, I mean, that's better than nothing, I guess, but I don't know if it's enough to fix what we've seen, at least of, at least on the rider front. Exactly. And now I'm going to be the uh, old woman from the, the grandma from Wilkie who always calls into the post game shows and does, if Cody has another rough game, do you play Isaac Harker? No. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. I was waiting. Uh, and, and like, I mean, stupid, from the little, yeah. you know, the small sample sizes I've seen of Isaac Harker are very promising, but no. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. That's what I like, but it hasn't quite got to that he's, yet. He's, he's not like, this isn't Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. Like, <laughs> No, no, Spencer Rattler. Number one pick to transfer portal. How do you like your life? <laughs> um, but yes, it, it, the Riders are not Spencer Rather. The Riders, they, it's like I said, it's three wins, home playoff, and then like you and I have said, the way Winnipeg's going, well, the way Winnipeg's going, it's going to be one of those things that they just cruise to the Western Final mm-hmm. and they soil themselves. And yeah, it just and, and, it I mean... just reeks of that. Yeah, and that's why if I think if you look at teams like the Riders, the Lions. Um, the Stamps, obviously, the Thai Cats, and the Argos, even to a degree. I mean, the Argos too. Like, these are all teams that are going to be battle tested come the playoffs. Yeah. Basically, every other team but Winnipeg 
is going to be battle tested in the playoffs. And yeah, I agree. And I was talking about this with Danny Austin from post media after the game as well, that it's to me, it increasingly feels like that. Yeah. Unless, I mean, unless Zach Caleros gets hurt before the playoffs, then it's maybe less shocking, but to me, it feels like, yeah, there's a setup here for Winnipeg to completely crap the bed in either the West final or the great cup. That doesn't mean they won't go on. They could very well, and they probably very well should win back to back great cups. But how many we've seen, you know, Calgary did it for like a decade where they made, you know, 75% of the great cups and won two of them. And, <laughs> you know, Montreal did that for the longest time too. Under Anthony Calvillo, they made a bunch of great cups and won like two of them. And, and the riders. Yeah. The riders. And we've seen, you know, we've seen Hamilton the last few years kind of be a juggernaut through the regular season and not get the job done. So this is, you know, this is a common storyline. So, you know, Craig Dickinson said it. Some others have said it. It's not really about being the best all year in the CFL, especially when six of eight teams make the playoffs. It's really just about peaking at the right time. Well, here's how wild it is. If my math is correct, if Winnipeg wins, they pretty much clinch a playoff spot this week. Hmm. Well, That's they're what they're they're eight points eight on, one. Up on Calgary. And BC. They're eight and one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's that's so dumb. But then again. <laughs> But then again, there's only four games left in the season. Like that's, yeah. I, my Matt, like I think my depth perception on the season is a little wonky right now with how many games have only been played, but how many games are only left, and then there's snow on the ground, and oh god, I just is this season real? I don't know. It, I, it, I would be hard pressed to take any sort of long term thoughts out of this season given how short it is in different things and I mean every year in the CFL is so different anyway because there's so much roster change but yeah I mean I guess technically it's a real season but yeah I mean I, I think you're kind of right too where it's like it still feels like it should maybe kind of unofficially get an asterisk at the end of it depending on what happens yeah or, or, is, or is it or is it like the NHL where they had two kind of weird seasons and you know that finally got Tampa Bay over the hump twice None of those Stanley Cups count. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see this year if they're really a real team. <laughs> if you don't I win just, three in a row, you suck. Yeah, but it, it's it. But yeah, it, I know we're speaking doom and gloom, mm. and it's not. It's no. still a five and four team, and the, at the end of the day, they do still control their own destiny, which yeah, is good. And like as long as they keep, as long as they can get back to winning the majority of their football games down the stretch they will still finish second in the West. There's just, you know, some serious question marks about their ability to do that right now. Mm-hmm. And, well, we'll see. But maybe it's just a couple of teams that have their number that they sh- can't let that happen in the playoffs. I, I don't think – I think the big game is this third game against Calgary in two weeks. That mm-hmm. will be super interesting to see what happens because what we think should happen is the riders should blow the doors off but that's what we thought was going to happen last Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you think so, because, I mean, there's, you know, people love to say it's hard to win two games against the same team in football. I mean, I, I don't know if I completely agree with it. I mean, I understand the theory behind it, but, I mean, mathematically, it should then be impossible to win three in a row against the same team, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, three and three, three and four weeks, impossible. Absolutely impossible. So, uh Rider fans, I know you'll get mad at us because we're doom and gloom, but uh, there is lots of shiny lights for the riders. Mm-hmm. So you did bring them up earlier, so we have a little bit of time left here. Um, 
Do you think Duke Williams is going to make a difference for this team down the stretch? I think he will. Well, if so, Jason Moss is very familiar with Duke Williams. Mm-hmm. He knows what he can do. He will put Williams in the right position to be successful. But will Cody Fajardo be in the right position to also add to that success? And this was probably something that the offensive coordinator of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Jason Moss, really, really wanted this player when he came up on the wire. And they went for it. And if you have bookends with him and Shaq Evans, that's really good. Mm-hmm. That might just be enough. And if the offensive line could give Fajardo enough time to chuck and duck, it, it, I think it could be enough. I don't know, but I. it just might be the right thing. that It goes back to what you were saying. You bring in a new offensive lineman, it disrupts the whole flow of everything. Mm-hmm. A new receiver might help with the flow of everything because he's kind of off on the island. Yes, he plays within the offensive scheme, but he can also, Duke Williams can make things happen and make life a little bit easier for Cody Fajardo. Yeah, and I, I think part of Fajardo's frustrations is, you know, other than Keon Schaefer-Baker, the odd time, there hasn't really been you know, the guy going up there and fighting and winning that 50-50 ball. Granted, some of his throws haven't been there for a variety of reasons, but there hasn't really been, you know, like there hasn't been that fight. And I think Duke Williams is one of those guys that they hope will be able to go up and, you know, for when Cody just needs to huck it up at a guy, that he can go up there and get that because that's clearly missing right now. And then I think if you have, you know, if Williams, you know, there's always the concern when a guy comes back to the CFL from the NFL – a la Jordan Williams Lambert, especially midseason, you know, what do they, you know, it takes seems to take time to adapt and get back into it. We saw with Weston Dressler. We've seen it with Jordan Williams Lambert kind of continuing to the season even at the start of the year. So there's, you know, if he's able to perform at the level we expect, then that should make a difference. The question for me is, can he get to that point quickly based on what we've seen and receivers coming back to the CFL from the NFL? But then you throw in Shaq Williams, and I think Keon Schaefer-Baker has clearly proven to be, you know, a very reliable target as well. So then you kind of you have three targets that should hopefully be able to make a difference in this defense and take the little pressure off Duke Williams coming in to make sure that he doesn't have to instantly make like a gigantic impact to make a bit of a difference. But and but it's also the big body receiver that the Riders were hoping that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Williams Lambert was going to be like at yeah. six, three and a half. And was he two thirty? Duke Williams at a fast two thirty. It, it, I, I, I don't know what side of the fence I'm on. So I'm just going to ride the middle of it because <laughs> I, I think it could be a big impact. But then again, you brought up all those names and you throw in Darrell Walker too, because he mm-hmm. didn't have much success coming back either, but that's a little bit of a different position. He's a little bit more inside and asked to do more. Yeah. But I will go out on a limb. I think this will be a very, very good and key addition for the Riders for this season. Yeah, it, it, it could ultimately be a turning point. It could be a situation where, you know, they finally find that sort of, you know, maybe he doesn't light it up for 100, you know, 100, 110 yards every game, but he makes that one or two key plays downfield that you need that they weren't previously getting, which forces the defense to back off a little bit and respect it. 
Yeah, just yeah. Even the the notion of of a big play really affects <laughs> things. That's yeah, it's incredible. And and hopefully, and we forget about William Powell. And mm-hmm. he has been. He's been their most steady player so far. Yeah, I, I was going to say their their best their best offensive player player all around. A lot of touches for a man that's not young. No. Um. But uh, it's used a lot more out of the backfield than I would have expected to. Yeah, and he's had a few drops, and you could tell mm-hmm. that's not his comfort zone. He likes getting the ball in the backfield and making things happen from there. But it's the situation that they were put in, and he's yep. taken advantage. And boy, if they if it wasn't for him in a couple of those games, who boy, it could be we could be already ringing that uh, the death, <laughs> death bell right now if it wasn't for William Powell in that Saskatchewan Rough Rider offense. I mean, after that, the solution is just more fullbacks, right? Oh, God bless it. (laughs) We go with a two tight end set. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I really wish the tight end worked more in the CFL than it does. Oh, it could. Abuse that big, nice, open middle of the field. I know they always try to get it to the wide side and get it into space, but there's that nice, big middle of the field that you can abuse with teeny, tiny linebackers in the CFL. Kind of like Calgary did last week. Very, very (laughs) much so. That is, yes, what you just said. Uh, Like, let's let's throw Braden Lennius in the middle there. Let's get him. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's now I'm starting to sound like a fan. That's pretty gross. Well, just just shut her down right now. Hey, Jacques Cartier, show's over. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.